welcome back to the Blissy Experience, a podcast all about helping you get your best night's sleep ever. I'm your host, Ariana. Please like and subscribe. This is our fourth episode. We've absolutely loved building our community. We would love to hear from you on what topics, what guests, what questions you want us to explore. We are here for you. So please be sure to both like it and subscribe so you get notified of all new episodes. Today's episode is a vulnerable one. I wanted to mention to our viewers today that we'll be talking about some more sensitive topics, including trauma. And so you can make a decision for yourself if you feel comfortable listening to this episode. Today we're here with Casey Margus, an incredible powerhouse of a woman. I'm so honored to have this conversation with her today. She's a motivational speaker and a trauma survivor whose mission has become focusing on resilience and empowering viewers and listeners with their own resilience in their own lives. Casey, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. You're so radiant. I, you know, I, I've loved just talking to you even before we pressed record on the podcast, but I can't wait to get more into your story yes. to learn about how you've been able to overcome, how you're still overcoming, and share some of your greatest learnings with our viewers. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, of course. So let's just start by having you share a little bit about your personal background. Yes, so I grew up in a really small town in the Inland Empire called San Jacinto. Um, so I grew up loving school. School was everything to me. I loved to write, loved to read. And life was pretty good. And then the last five years of my life, stuff started just going bad. Wow. <laughs> and I um, started dealing with health conditions when mm -hmm. I was in college. I was fainting and I didn't know why. So that was scary. Wow. And I, um, while in school, I had a heart monitor on for several months, and I was working three jobs while in college. So while going I, to school, yes, yeah. Oh my gosh! No and, wonder you were. I'm sure your body was overwhelmed, stressed. Oh, completely. Yeah, but I um, was so focused and determined. So I would, and I was working as a promotional model, like mm. handing out free shots to people. Free shots. And yeah, so I remember like. Like, hurry, drink this tequila. I got to run to math. Yes. <laughs> facts. Um, but it was like I was in these little outfits that they put you in, but I had my heart monitor on. So I had like all of these patches and wires and I would be like serving shots to people and they'd be like, are you okay? Right. right. <laughs> like, should you be doing this? Doesn't add up here. Yeah, so wow. that's when I learned I have postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And since then, I've also Say it again. been postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Okay, I abbreviated hope you, I hope as you guys POTS. got that. Yes. POTS. Okay, I, I have know, heard of this. All of my conditions are very lengthy, so they all have their own little <laughs> acronyms. But um, yes, I also have rheumatoid arthritis and Eller Danlos syndrome. And these conditions impact me on the daily basis. Mm. Um, I deal with extreme joint pain. Mm. Um, my body is very inflamed all the time and makes it very difficult to sleep as well as just function throughout the day. Of course. Um, but yeah, that's when I first started dealing with health stuff. And then within the last five years of my life, everything just kind of turned upside down. I survived a mass shooting. I survived a horrific car accident that put me in a wheelchair. I survived an assault, which I later went on the record with the New York Times with. And it's just been 
kind of one thing after the next. And I've really had to learn how to navigate trauma mm-hmm. and really pull out the resilience that I think all of us have deep inside of us. Mm. And it's not easy and it's not fun, but as you overcome and as you just kind of work through it, you realize how strong you are. Absolutely. I mean, talk about strength for anyone to go through quite literally any one of those experiences in a lifetime, let alone so many within a five-year period. I mean, I wonder if the universe just knew Casey is so strong. She's the one who could survive something like this and then be able to go on and be able to help share and empower so many people through your story. And that's what you've done. Tell me about some of your public speaking. Yes. So I first realized I wanted to be a public speaker when I was in middle school. Yes. Were you on debate? What was the... No, I wasn't. I, I was a rapper. So a rapper? I, yeah. I used to rap <laughs> battle people um, in, in middle school. I was going to say, we can't end today's episode, right? At the very end, can you please give us a little something? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Okay, we'll see if we earn it. <laughs> yes. So, I, I, yeah, I would rap battle people in um, the North Mountain, um, like, lunch area. Yes, yes. And The then, perfect venue. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then my friend and I, like, every assembly, we would hop on stage and we would rap. Like, like introducing whoever, yeah. like, the principal coming on stage. And so I knew that I loved like being on stage and like speaking, mm-hmm. but then there was a motivational speaker who came to my school mm. and I was like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, and wow. yeah, I remember I told my mom, she picked me up from school and in the car, I was like, mom, I'm going to be a motion- motivational speaker. Wow. And she was like, well, Casey, you can't just like be a motivational speaker. You have to have something. You kind of need to something to talk, talk about. about. And the yes. universe was like, da, 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 here's da. everything. <laughs> yes. So it's funny. We laugh about that conversation now. My mom's like, well, when I said that, I didn't expect all of this to happen. But now you can like literally write books on books on books on like right, overcoming. Right. I was kind of thinking it could have been something I don't know sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like maybe just one thing. Not like all the things, right? but yeah, so that's when like the spark kind of struck me. And then um, in, I believe it was 2018, I had gone to a town hall with Senator Bernie Sanders Mm. and I got on the microphone to speak about surviving a mass shooting and not having health insurance because Mm. I freelance and with freelancing, you know, it's not through your employer. Mm -hmm. So I talked about the need for therapy and Mm. mental health care for victims of trauma. My sister and I were at the Vegas mass shooting. With all of the mass shootings taking place this week, my PTSD is through the roof and I can't afford to see a therapist. I'd have to pay out of pocket. I know other survivors who are in the same position. This is one of the areas that we don't deal with, doing terribly dealing with, is the mental health crisis in America. So after that experience, I started getting people asking me to be on their podcasts and if I want to speak about wow. these issues. Yeah. Wow. And then I did um, a TED Talk last year. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm so little middle school Casey would be so proud. I'm I sure know. she'd be spitting bars for me right yeah, now. Totally. Yeah, totally. Welcome to my TED Talk. Hey, I know. I was so happy to like be able to put my caption like "Thanks yes. for coming to my TED Talk." Oh, so iconic. Yes. So that was like just such a good feeling to accomplish that yeah. and. Through that, I had people that were in the audience come up to me and ask if I would speak at their work, speak at their church, Mm -hmm. speak at events. And I've done a few things since then for smaller groups and Mm -hmm. just talking about overcoming trauma. And I shouldn't say overcoming because I don't know that you truly overcome your traumas, but navigating them. Sure. I love that word, navigating them. Now, speaking of navigating... As you're preparing for these speeches, as you're experiencing them, as you're, I'm sure, receiving feedback and personal stories from audience members afterwards, how do you deal with any of that trauma potentially resurfacing in yourself? Yes. So trauma does resurface when you speak about it. They're called triggers for a reason. You can get triggered. And it's just thinking about being in the present. So if I hear something or see something that triggers me and brings me back to where I was in that moment, I have to ground myself. Mm. Okay, I'm here right now with Ariana. I'm Mm. doing a podcast. I'm sitting in this luscious chair. I've got the water next to me. I'm not wherever I was when that trauma occurred. And so that's super helpful. Just grounding and looking at your surroundings, thinking about what you're hearing in Mm. this moment Mm. is really helpful for me. I love that. Grounding is so important. Now, I want to hear a little bit about how trauma has impacted your sleep. I know that sleep can be difficult for a person who's living a very normal, healthy life. So let alone experiencing so much trauma, especially over a short period of time. How has that impacted your sleep and how do you deal with that? Yes. So post-traumatic stress disorder directly impacts your sleep. And I've experienced flashbacks, nightmares, and stuff that really makes me not want to fall asleep. So I think Um. for me and other trauma survivors, it's really getting to the core of what happened to you Mm. and healing through different ways. Like for me, it's writing, it's painting, it's putting all of those emotions into art. Mm. And I find that when I do artwork before bed is when I typically get better sleep. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah, that's been helpful for me. And also movement, moving my body, mm. going on walks, getting outside. All of that definitely helps my sleep. And mm-hmm. I won't sit here and pretend like I get good sleep with you because I don't. I still struggle with insomnia, but it's something that... I'm trying to work through and doing the best I can to find healthy avenues to get to sleep. Absolutely. And that totally makes sense. And I love that you're willing to be open and honest with yourself and with others, that it's absolutely a journey. Do you do other relaxation exercises throughout the day? Do you like to close your eyes and meditate? What helps you get some of that restful experiences without maybe necessarily it always being sleep. Yes, I definitely meditate. I have my little Peloton app. And yes, my favorite meditation (laughs) teachers are on there. And I'll just throw one of those on and just relax with my eyes closed. Mm -hmm. And that definitely helps. Another thing that I find helps for me, it's going to sound really silly, but my friend got me into Duolingo. So that's not silly. I've been learning Spanish. (gasps) 
And That's so I think, awesome. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> but it definitely helps with like, okay, my brain, I'm thinking, I'm working, and that gets me tired. Ah. And I think that like helps. So I do it before bed. Yeah. Um, so that's been something that's been helpful for me personally. I will say you're definitely an original on the podcast so far that what helped your nightly routine is specifically painting and speaking Spanish. We si, have not yet si. heard that. <laughs> I love that you're willing to explore and discover some of these alternative methods. You know, I think a lot of people just think of things like, oh, I'll do my skincare routine or, you know, I'll really kind of try to lay here and listen to some soft music, which all those things are incredibly beneficial. I believe in all of those things. But to be yeah. able to think outside the box, too, on, hey, I'm not getting great sleep. So what are some other things that I can explore that might help me and my mind, my brain, my body? Yes, absolutely. I think it's all about finding what works for you. And for me personally, I think doing the artwork has helped me overcome those traumas as well. Mm. And it just for I think everyone has something, whether they've discovered it yet or not, Mm -hmm. that's going to help them and be the fallback thing for when they do go through something very traumatic is finding something that you can always turn to to help Mm. you get through it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask about shame. Mm -hmm. This is something that I believe most of us deal with at some point in our life, in some area of our life. How has shame worked into your experience and how do you manage that? This is an excellent question. So for me personally, when I survived the mass shooting, there was survivor's guilt that came along Mm. with that, which a lot of survivors experience. And then feelings of shame, knowing that maybe I could have done more to help Mm. other people, Mm. and shame revolving around a loss of self. Mm, Tell me about that. Yes, so when you endure something extremely traumatic, a lot of people, I won't, do a blanket statement, not everyone, but um, many people experience a loss of self-esteem that can feel Mm. debilitating. Um, You feel like you've lost yourself and oftentimes you feel like you're watching your life go on and you're not in your body and you're not experiencing what your life is anymore. Sure. And I've also experienced shame in being assaulted Um, sexually and physically assaulted, and then going on the record with the New York Times. And I was shamed. I mean, my own feeling of shame of maybe I could have done something different to prevent this. Maybe if I didn't go to this place, maybe if I said something different, this wouldn't have happened. And I think many women experience that. And absolutely. Yeah. And then the shame of going on the record and then being shamed by people and people for speaking out for speaking out yes so people trying to discredit me to say that I'm looking for attention Mm. as if any woman wants to be famous for being assaulted imagine Um, it's yeah insanity what a convenient defense is that, oh, right. you actually are getting something beneficial out of this. Yes. Wow, when I can't believe that. It's the exact opposite. Of course. Like any woman who does speak out is bearing the brunt of that trauma for the world to see. Of course. And that wound is being opened up even bigger. And it's, you do it 
in the hopes of protecting other people yeah. and that's why I did it. I wasn't I wasn't going to speak out. I wasn't going to have my name ran. I was going to do it all anonymous. Wow. When I filed a police report, it was anonymous. Mm. And then the writer from the time said to me, "Casey, like if if we really want to make an impact, we're going to need to use your name." Mm. And I sat with it, I meditated on it, mm-hmm. I really, really thought about it, and then ultimately decided I have to do this mm. to protect other women. And that's what I did. Now I wanna ask a little bit more about that writer's suggestion of using your name. For anyone who's listening right now who may have gone through an experience, a traumatic experience, potentially having been assaulted like you were, what is the importance of speaking out in the first place and also potentially considering using your name, of course, at the advisement of your team? But what is the intention of using your name that makes that impact so much more valuable than just staying anonymous? Yes. So I think as individuals, our names are so important. It's our identity. It's who we are. And by using my name and sharing my story, I gained my power back. Mm. Because in having that power taken away from me during the assault, me speaking To be a faceless victim. Yes, exactly. Is gaining my power back. Mm. And finding strength in my own story. Mm. And I think that's been my mission in speaking out and public speaking is helping others find their own inner strength Mm -hmm. and to be able to speak about what they've been through because all of us endure trauma throughout our lives on different levels and scales, but it's still trauma. And being able to speak out you connect with other people, you realize you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we all need is Mm -hmm. to know that we're not alone because the second you start feeling really alone, those dark thoughts can overtake you and overcome you. Wow, absolutely, I'm sure. Yeah, I I just imagine for every assault that happens, how many of them could have been prevented by the last person having spoken out. So thank you for doing that. I wanna talk about a little bit about the dynamic between vulnerability and strength. I, I love that so much of your story, especially in the more recent years, having found that strength to speak out, choosing to become a public speaker on these topics, there's so much strength in that, but I feel that it's in the context of being willing to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that those two things really need each other. What has your journey been like in being able to embrace both your vulnerability and your strength? It's been difficult. It's not easy. It's um, really just putting yourself out there for the world to dissect is very difficult. (laughs) And for me, it's thinking about the end goal. Mm. And for me, it's been about creating change and the change that I think needs to happen within mm-hmm. our system, within the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And all of that combined mm-hmm. has really given me the strength. Like my vulnerability is what leads to the strength of like, all right, all of this crazy stuff happened to me. What am I going to do about it? Yeah, I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to hopefully help others. I'm going to hopefully be a voice for change. Mm. And that's been the goal all along. Take me back to some of those moments just immediately following the mass shooting that you experienced. What was that like? 
Yes. So um, I'll briefly share when the shooting occurred. So we were at a music festival, my sister and I, and we heard what sounded like fireworks. And I remember just kind of knowing that Mm. it wasn't fireworks. Mm. And then when we looked up in the sky, like it was clear, no fireworks. And then we saw people surrounding us getting hit. So then it we're in a mass shooting. You actually saw people getting hit by bullets. Yes. So my sister and I were actually in the worst location that you could be in as far as fatalities. And so I just instinctively started praying and I was praying for like a shield of angels around us. Yeah. And my sister and I got on the ground and um, we were holding hands and we just kept pulsing each other's hand and repeating I love you to each other. And I remember telling myself to do deep yoga breaths while I was on the ground. I was like, wow. just focus on your breathing. I'm all like in Shavasana while I'm getting shot at. But oh um, my gosh. yeah, I'm like focusing on my breath because in my mind I was like, okay, well, you're gonna get shot. So if you get hit with a bullet, the best thing you can do is remain calm. Mm. That way you could react to the injury and find a way out. So in my head, I was already bracing for that. And I remember my sister saying to me, I love you too, and we're going to get out of here. Mm. So my sister um, kept repeating to me, keep your head down. And she was actually looking up, trying to see what we should do. Yeah. And I remember the moment that it became real for me was hearing my sister's voice. Mm. My sister has a very strong voice. Her mm. voice never cracks. And she had looked up and she saw a woman's head bleeding. And she goes, Case, her head is bleeding. Oh my God, her head is bleeding. And hearing her voice is what made it real for me because up until from the mouth of your own sister yes and it was I mean that is what broke me my sister's voice and what made it because at that point it, it still didn't feel real wow and then we decided to get off the ground and hop the fence to run beneath the stage. Wow, and you felt, in that moment of hopping up, I mean, how scared were you that that was actually, you were going to be able to make it past that fence? Um, I was terrified. My sister was leading. My sister grabbed my hand and was like, we gotta go. So we hopped the fence and my boot gets stuck. And there was a woman on the other side of the fence who said something to the effect of, it's now or never. And she pulls me over. And I still remember what she was wearing. She was wearing a white dress. She had on blue boots. Shout out to her. I love you. Thank you. (sighs) And so she, that woman who helped me ran off with her friends, um, my sister and I ran behind like the artist trailers Mm. and the way this venue was set up it was actually um, in a parking lot in Las Mm. Vegas on the strip and the hotel where the shooter was shooting from the angle of where the trailers were was actually closest to where he was shooting from of course at the time we didn't know any of of this you have no idea where it's coming from yeah I mean we were just 
we don't know if it's someone in the crowd. We have no idea. Right. So as you don't know if you're running toward danger or away from it. Right. How and terrifying. So it's all just kind of instinct in that moment, like because you don't know if what you're doing is right or wrong. Right. Yeah. So as we're behind the trailers, there was a man and his wife underneath the stage, and they're like flagging for us to run. So we run under the stage, and there was like this two foot tall like concrete block that you see in construction zones and we hit on the other side of it Mm -hmm. and then I remember the man saying to us pull your knees in because you need to protect your vital organs so my sister and I do that and then we faced we're all just kind of in a line Mm. so my shoulders are facing the back of this man's shoulders my sister is behind me and we're all just lined up behind this concrete block. And at this point, I called my mom. Mm. So I call my mom and the first words that left my mouth were, we're in the middle of a mass shooting, I love you. And- Oh my gosh, my whole body is just covered in chills right now. My mom- What did she say? She started singing to me. Really? And she sang my favorite song that she would sing to me growing up. Oh my gosh. And it was, you are my sunshine. And so while people around me are crying, screaming, dying, um, I start singing along with my mom. So I've got one of my arms on a stranger's shoulders. My sister has her arms on my shoulders. I have my other hand on the phone with my mom and I'm just singing, you are my sunshine. And I'm singing it as loud as I can possibly sing it. And I can only imagine what people around me were thinking because, I mean, everyone's just trying to survive. And here I am on the phone with my mom singing, you are my sunshine. And I still don't know how she came up with that. That was the best possible thing she could have ever done in that moment. I mean, there's Mother's nothing. Mother's intuition, there's nothing like it. Yeah, and I, my sister, of course, was there, and she's like, guy, I, I called dad, and I got none of that. Dad was like, try to find a cop. <laughs> Meanwhile. Which is also helpful. I just mean, in a different way. Yeah, but I, I definitely lucked out on the mom call. So, wow. yeah, so I sang with my mom, and then I remember my mom saying, it sounds like things have quieted down and I think you girls should run. Mm. So I said to my sister, let's run, let's run under the stage to the other side and just keep running. And at this point, the shots had subsided, Mm -hmm. but we still had no idea. You still have no idea, of course. We don't know where they're coming from. We don't know if it's multiple people. We have no idea. Absolutely. Still terrifying. Still high risk. Yes, absolutely. So I remember um, at that point, my sister was like, why don't we just stay here? We're safe. We've got this concrete block. And I just heard my mom's voice and I was like, no, let's go. Let's get out of here. So we run to the other side of the stage and then it's just wide open. There's no like it was just a parking lot and Mm. there was really no way of knowing how to get out so this venue i've actually um spoken to people and tried to um 
help with concert venues. I've oh. done interviews to help with concert safety and there needing to be multiple exits and clearly marked exits because that was a big issue with this shooting is that no one knew where to go. No one knew how to get out. Really? So once you were in, there was really only one marked exit, which was by the entrance, which was on the complete opposite side. Wow. So thank God there was a concert worker probably making minimum wage who <laughs> yeah. who stayed there to save people who stayed really? there to tell us where to exit what a hero i know i mean shout out to him if you're listening like you saved so many people that night because no one knew where to go no one knew where to run so he points really? for us to run hey you can exit this way so as we're running my heart condition starts acting up and i'm <laughs> Yeah. Casey, I can't believe the story. I can't believe that you really, really went through all this. I know, same. I'm still like, it's funny because I'll be talking to my friends and I'm just like, oh yeah, just another Tuesday. And they're like, no, your life is insane. Yeah. But, um, truly. Yeah, as we were running, my, my health conditions were acting up. And so my sister kept saying to me, you can do this. You got, the, like, she's just encouraging me. She's holding my hand as we're running. And I remember just seeing on the asphalt, just pools of blood. There was discarded hats, people's cell phones, purses, a random shoe. Um, it was just horrific. Mm-hmm. And we kept running. And then we see a building. And it was actually part of Hooters. It was, <laughs> we love you, Hooters. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was... Uh, an office building attached mm. and I ran over there and I try the door and it's locked and at this point we call my brother mm. to tell him what's going on and mm. he doesn't answer mm. so we left him a voicemail and I actually have that voicemail with me if you, you would do? like to hear it I do I would love to hear it trigger warning yes absolutely just to our listeners we're about to play a voicemail that was recorded directly after this mass shooting experience. Ali and I were just in a mass shooting. No, it's this voicemail. Um, we're currently okay. We love you. We love you so much. I love you, Rob. Oh my gosh, imagine being your brother. Is anyone receiving a voicemail like that? Yeah. And imagine being the one having to leave that voicemail. How scared were you in that moment that you might not see your brother again? Terrified. And my brother is a cancer survivor. And it was kind of just right after that whole experience with him. And so my mom has almost lost all three of her children. Oh, my gosh. And um, in that voice note, I said to him, we're currently okay. And that was kind of the ongoing theme throughout the night is okay we're currently okay we're right. currently because you don't know of course what the next step is you don't know where the shooter is you don't know where and to go exactly and so right after i hung up the phone i saw another door on the building mm. and i go to run to open it and my sister's like it's going to be locked let's keep going but something within me was like no i think that door's unlocked 
Wow. So, and this is late at night. I mean, what are the chances that door was actually unlocked? Right, exactly. Because the shooting began at 10.04 p.m. Oh, yeah, of course. Any corporate building, so, you think it's been closed for hours. Yes, exactly. So run over and I do this and the door is unlocked. <gasps> and I remember just this feeling of like, just like you feel like um, hope. Like that's the best way to say it. You just Relief, feel hope. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we go into this building and it's an empty office building and it's dark and there's just this long hallway with like different doors on either side and it's just my sister and I in there. There's no other souls in there. So we just kind of go. We're checking all the doors. There's a door open at the very end. We go in there and it's an abandoned office building. And I remember there were like old desktops from like 04 and like dusty tower fans. This is a movie, you realize, right? This is absolutely a blockbuster film. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So we're in there and there's still like a couple cubicles in there. And I remember this kind of funny saying to my sister, like, oh my gosh, like I have to pee so bad. And I peed in the trash can. And I felt so bad. I left a thank you note for no, whoever. No, you didn't. Yes. Stop. Yes. So I the like, class. <laughs> I know. How could you even fathom being considerate enough to write a thank you note? You're trying to survive a mass shooting. It. Oh my gosh. Yes. I wrote Brava. a thank you note. Thank you <laughs> to whosoever cubicle that was. I I told them. We're in the middle of a mass shooting. We're using wow. your cubicle as safety. Thank you so much. Wow. Sorry about the pee. Um, yeah. <laughs> and P.S. Yes. <laughs> so we're in there and there was this moment where, so both of our phones, this was a three day festival and the first two days, we both had issues with our phones dying because you know you're at a festival, it's draining your oh, battery. You're taking photos, all of that. Yeah. So. Both of our phones were almost dead and we're like, we need a phone charger. Yeah. So my sister is looking all I mean, I'm also looking all around. And then my sister's like, Oh, I found a charger. And I like turn all excited and she's like, figures. They're Android users. <laughs> and- <laughs> I'm like, okay, now I know to always keep a portable charger with me. I mean, I have like <laughs> Anywhere, anybody I talk to, I'm like, okay, anywhere you go, make sure you have your phone, make sure you have like a power source. Like, this is how in these situations that you're going to survive. Yeah. But I. Yeah. And you never think, okay, I'm really, really going to need this. But you just really never know what life is going to throw at you. Exactly. That's been my entire life is just stuff being thrown at me. And I'm like, all right, another one. Serious. And apparently surrounding yourself with more Apple users. No, but seriously, Android's cameras are way better. So So we're in there and we're like, okay, we got 20 percent to stay alive. So my sister called her friend who is a Las Vegas local and her friend drove on the opposite side of the freeway to get in because the freeways were closed, all the roads were closed. Yeah. But she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm rescuing my best friend." Well, it was yeah, you my have sister's to get out. best friend. Yeah. Yeah. So my sister is like, "Okay, Kylie's on the other line. She's on her way." And then at this point in time, more survivors started rushing into this building. Okay. So there were little kids, and oh I remember. Gosh my sister and I had found a janitor's closet when we first got introduced to this building. Yeah. And so I put all the kids in the janitor's closet. I'm stacking stuff to hide them. 
and their their parents right are, because you don't know if the shooter's potentially following. I mean, right, if there's exactly. more and more people we coming into this building, no idea, zero clue where the shooting's coming from, and the parents are exhausted. I mean, their clothes are ripped, they're bleeding. Yeah, and I remember being so thirsty, mm. and there was a woman who had a water, and she saw me, and she just gave me her water. Wow. And it's moments like this where you realize how much humanity there still is. Absolutely. And how much people do truly care about one another. Yeah. Even so, strangers and maybe yes. especially strangers in that moment. Exactly. I mean, everything else just went out the window. Everyone just wanted to help, really. Yeah. And it's I go back to this Mr. Rogers quote where it's like in times of tragedy, look for the helpers. Because there's always I love help that quote. Yes. There's always, always helpers. helpers. I love Sorry, that so that. much. Okay, so your friend is on your way. Was she able to get to you? Yes, so she was able to get sort of near where we were. So she was able to park their truck um, a few blocks down. Mm. So my sister says to me, we gotta run. Yeah. And so we keep running and there was this point where these police officers grab us and pull us inside of a Motel 6 room. And it was sardine. There were so many people in there that were at this festival. Yeah. And my sister looked at me and she's like, we gotta go. Like she's right there. Like that's our way out. Okay. And I remember as we go, one of the officers said to us, well, if you die, that's on you. No way. Yeah, like just flippant, like, oh, if you die, Flippantly. like that's, yeah. And can you imagine? Yeah, well, I can. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was bizarre. So, wow. but then once we ran out of there, we see her truck in the distance. And I remember having this feeling of like, my shoes were weightless and I just like ran as fast as I've ever ran in my life. And we get to the truck and we pile in as many people as we can in the bed of the truck and the cab, like other survivors that don't have a way off the strip. Sure. So was anyone running with you from the motel or just that we're already around the truck area? Just we're kind of already around. Mm. And so we piled in as many survivors as we could. And I remember my sister and I being in the back of the truck, like in the cab section and we're holding hands and it was the very first time that either one of us cried during the entire ordeal. So throughout everything, we're not showing like any emotion as far as crying. You probably didn't have time. Yeah, because you're so focused on surviving. Absolutely. And so we held hands again and just cried and oh my God, we survived, we made it out. Wow. Wow, what was that moment like knowing that you were making it out? It was like, well, relief for one, and then incredible sadness Mm. of like, just kind of knowing that your life is never gonna be the same. Yeah, I'm sure. And it's it's weird how trauma, everything becomes a timeline. Like Mm. when I experience something today, I'm like, Okay, or or thinking back on memories, like, oh, okay, that was before the shooting. Okay, wait, that one was after the car accident. Uh, okay, wait, no, I remember that because that was before the assault. Like, it's weird how it everything is then just like pre-shooting, post-shooting, or insert trauma here, really. Right, right. Um, 
And so that's been a fascinating thing to navigate is the timeline aspect. I'm sure that that dynamic is very common if you're listening to this and you have experienced traumas and, and have also noticed that identifying of the timeline. My question for you, Casey, is how are you able to, if you're able to, separate that timeline from your own identity and your own life? Yes, that's an excellent question. So one thing that I know about trauma through my own research, through my own schooling, is that trauma often compounds. Mm. So when I've experienced something, and my mom was a huge help with this, is like my most recent traumatic experience, I ended up doing this thing that I've coined. It's called the conveyor belt of sadness. Okay, do tell. (laughs) Yes, so the conveyor belt of sadness is when you experience something very traumatic and then your brain does this thing where everything is just on a conveyor belt. It's like, oh, I got assaulted, but not only that, you also survived a mass shooting, but also you were bullied as a child. And so your brain just kind of compounds everything where you're not able to just focus on basically the task at hand and everything gets brought up. And this is a common occurrence with Mm. people who have survived trauma and also children who have survived multiple traumas is it just compounds on one another and then all of a sudden, you're a wreck, like you can't do anything. And so what has been helpful for me in those moments is to not hop on the conveyor belt. Mm. Hey, this one thing happened, let's focus on this because guess what? You survived everything else that's on that belt. You're here, yeah. Yeah. Like all of that's in the past, you've already dealt with it. So Not to mention you can come back to that when and if needed, but it's not the task at hand, I love that. Exactly. And another thing that helps me just kind of get through it, my mom and I have this saying with each other where we're like, you're going to win the Oscar today. So (laughs) if it's like a really bad day Mm. and you just don't know how you're going to get through it, you just tell yourself, I'm going to win the Oscar today. And that honestly has been so helpful for me because when you start your day and you're like, all right, like I'm going to have to fake being okay. Mm. All of a sudden your brain tricks yourself and you actually are okay throughout the day. Mm. So it starts off like, it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Mm. But it's one of those things like, like I've had full day shoots where I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this because emotionally I'm not okay. My illnesses are flaring up. Mm -hmm. And then I'll like call or text my mom and she's like, oh, you're gonna get the shiniest, most amazing Oscar today. (laughs) And then like at the end of the day, she'll text me and she'll send me like a little animation gif of like someone (laughs) receiving receiving an Oscar. (laughs) And I'm like, mom, you would be so proud. I'm dedicating my speech to you. The crowd's going wild. Oh, that's too They love me. They really love me. Too funny. And you know what I love about this this symbol of the Oscar is, of course, I mean, you're such an advocate of therapy, of uh, taking care of your mental health, of processing these emotions in a very, very real way. But at the same time, I love that you acknowledge that your life has had to go on, that you deserve to have a life. You deserve to go to work and have relationships and have fun experiences, new experiences. And that part of that is being able to acknowledge that there's both 
that both exist, yes. right? That these things can coexist in one human being and that you can go on on a day-to-day basis. I think it's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay. I love the symbolism of that, Oscar, because of course, you're such an advocate of going to therapy, processing through these emotions and these experiences in a very real way. But at the same time, I love that you acknowledge that you still deserve to have a life. You still deserve to go out and have new experiences, work, learn, pursue your passions. And that sometimes that does mean that these emotions will have to coexist, that this is still deep down inside of you, but you also are allowed to move forward in your life. Yes, that that part. That part. (laughs) Yes, because I think so often um, I'm guilty of it is when you experience something traumatic, you sit in it and you live in it. Mm. And understandably, yeah. what my mission is, is to help people realize that doesn't need to be your story. Of course, it's part of your story, oh. but it's not what defines you. Mm. Me being a survivor of all that. this doesn't define me. It's part of what made me who I am, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to live in it. I'm not going to dwell in it. I'm not going to be constantly talking about surviving all of this, I'm going to focus on my own happiness, my own goals, Mm -hmm. and stuff to help me realize how beautiful life is, Mm because life is amazing, Uh and there's so much goodness, and I think... And that's part of your experience, even with that traumatic experience, was seeing the goodness in humanity. I mean, how beautiful is that layer of that experience? Yes, I love layers, especially in burritos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big quesadilla fan, so we'll, we'll, we'll go out together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, but I want to touch on something that you just mentioned, which is that, you know, it can it can feel like I'm short times, especially that this is, you know, all you're thinking about, maybe all you're talking about. I know that other people, other women specifically who have been accused of maybe taking advantage of their traumatic experiences to rise to fame and fortune. What's your response to people who claim things like that? Oh, man, I even hearing that question, I feel um, I want to defend all these women because (laughs) my own personal experience, there is zero gain when women speak out about what's occurred and what's happened to them and the, oh my gosh, the layers of trauma when you've been assaulted, your entire Mm. identity is robbed from you. Mm. So the courage that it takes for a woman to speak out, knowing that it's only going to make things worse for her, is what I wish people would acknowledge Mm. is in me going on the record using my name nothing good came from that Mm. other than helping other women hopefully preventing more attacks and me using my voice and getting my power back Mm. but on the flip side of that I was met with death threats I was met with the worst comments you could have ever read and by the way if you're a woman going on the record don't read any comments Mm. just don't don't look on YouTube don't go on Reddit Mm -hmm. just if you can because it's not about you it's about them exactly it's about their own internalized misogyny and their projections their pain but it's not about you I love that you called that out yes and so I my goal with this topic is if you are questioning if a woman is telling the truth 
know that the fraction of women who lie is so small Mm -hmm. it's like one percent or two percent like it is very very small Mm -hmm. and in order for a woman to speak out you have to think how many other women Mm -hmm. there probably were that were assaulted by that same person of course and is that one percent worth the damage that it's that is done by completely ignoring the 99 percent exactly and trying to discredit a woman like for me i got attempted people attempted to discredit me because i model Mm. and so all of a sudden it was she's doing this to try to gain fame well, trust me, that's not what I want to be famous for. Right. Like, <laughs> you've got plenty of other things going on for yourself. Yeah, that's not what you like, need to be famous for. I'm very talented in many areas. Yeah. Um, being assaulted is not one of those talents. Right. Well, so, and I understand that you also lost work over this experience. I did, yes. So when I went on the record, I had a huge job lined up, and then all of a sudden, they decided to go in a different direction. Mm. And that was very frustrating. I also broke out in hives due to- I would imagine the stress. Yes, the aftermath of all of the horrific comments and messages I was receiving, it was was very, very difficult. But I will say, with all of the negative, I chose to focus on the positive mm. because I did receive many messages from mm. women and men mm. who thanked me for speaking out. Wow. I had women who were also assaulted by him who weren't a part of the article reach out and thank me. Mm. I had people in Congress messaging me, mm. thanking me for my courage. So all of that to say there's a lot of negative that comes with speaking out yeah but there's also so much power that comes with it Mm -hmm. knowing that hey this happened to me and i'm gonna tell people Mm. because when we internalize that and we don't tell anyone which is perfectly fine if people aren't ready but when you hold all of that in Mm. that's what's going to drive those suicidal thoughts the depression all of that but Mm -hmm. in speaking out you gain a sense of self-esteem back Mm. that is lost during those events. So beautiful. Speaking of being able to move forward with your life, of being able to um, increase your own self-esteem, maybe that self-care aspect. Now, you know, of course, going still on your journey, I'm sure, but in your day-to-day life, what does it look like for you to exercise self-care let's talk about maybe your night routine and your morning routine yes so i'm super into self-care i wake up in the morning and i do my morning pages Mm, what's that so this is when you wake up and you just write whatever is on your mind Mm. and it could be it's kind of getting out all the yuck Mm. so whatever you're writing it can be I didn't sleep good, my body hurts, and you're just putting it on the page. So you can let it go for the day. Mm, Kind of releasing it from your body. Exactly, exactly. So you release all the negative, all the negativity, so you can start your day fresh Uh with all of that not on your mind, because you're leaving it on the page. Right. And then I'll- I'm honoring it, it's here, I'm looking at it, but I don't need to carry it in my body with me today. Exactly. I love that. 
And then I love to start the day with like a cute breakfast. I'm if you know As me, in like Instagram worthy. Oh yes, I don't I don't post my food, but sure. I, it's, it's something that I do. Like but just you for just myself. get to experience. I like make myself like heart shaped pancakes or like a beautiful smoothie, and I'll like I decorate it this. with flowers. Like I'm all about just like making things aesthetic and yeah. beautiful because I I truly feel like you just need to look for the beautiful things in yeah. life and beauty for beauty's sake. Yes, exactly. I love like, that. I just made the most gorgeous smoothie. Like, yeah. look at and this. And I get to enjoy it. Yes, exactly. I, I'm absolutely so inspired by this. The heart-shaped pancakes. I yes, like have to try this. I mean, you're going to have to... I'll show you photos. My friends will, like, take photos. Oh, really? And then, of your food? Yes, and then send them to me later, like, that I've cooked for them. And they'll Aww. just be like, just a reminder how amazing you are. Oh, and like, I love them. that. <laughs> but um, that's kind of my morning routine. Mm. And then going in tonight, I have a gratitude journal where I'll write whatever I'm grateful for that day Mm. and sometimes it's shorter than others sometimes it's I'm writing this right now and I'm thankful that I have a hand Mm -hmm. to write with yeah absolutely like it's just there's certain days where you have to find anything to be grateful for yeah and it's so powerful I'm grateful that I'm alive I'm grateful that I have a pen in my hand I'm Mm -hmm. grateful that I can afford a notebook Mm -hmm. like stuff like that so Staying grateful has really been helpful for me. And I think it is kind of the perfect way to go to sleep Mm -hmm. is like, hey, this is my day. This is what I'm grateful for. I'm ready to get some rest and start a fresh day tomorrow. Absolutely. And I know that some nights are probably easier than others. Some are harder than others. Are there any tips that you have for listeners if they're having an especially tough day? Yes. So for me, if I am having a rough night where I'm having flashbacks or nightmares or just negative thoughts, I actually have this music box that my mom gave me. And it's one of those that has a little crank on the side. Oh, it's so cute. And yeah. And it plays You Are My Sunshine. So I'll crank my music box and play that. Um, wow. And just the fact that it's something so meaningful to you, whatever yes. that small thing is. And I think it's about finding those little things for yourself. Another one that I have, when I went to the hospital after being assaulted, the um, victim's advocate gave me a thing of silly putty. Mm. and. I kid you not, that silly putty saved my life. Really? Yes. Like in moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to have a horrible panic attack. I pull that silly putty out and I just play with it and I'll make a little heart with it and just like play with it in your hands. And I think another huge thing people can do to relieve stress is using your hands. Mm. So like the silly putty, creating art, drawing. I recently got into gardening and now I'm obsessed. (gasps) Okay, I love gardening. Okay, I need to show you my garden. It's so cute. Oh, we're going to get all into this. Yes. Oh, I have a gardening buddy. Yay. (laughs) I'm like geeking out over my garden right now. I've got so many tomatoes and bell peppers (gasps) ready. My green beans are like beautiful. They're sprouting. It's oh Oh, gosh. Yes. I love it. And you know, it's actually scientifically proven that gardening is a stress reliever, a yes. mood enhancer, and so healthy for you both mentally and physically. Absolutely. I'm it's become my new obsession and prior to me getting into it, I was kind of notorious for accidentally killing plants cuz oh, yeah. just with work most, you're gone all people. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my neighbor, I have the sweetest neighbors in the entire world. Mm. They're in their 90s. They're my favorite people. Like yes. they're just the sweetest. Aww. And Cher made a comment to me like 
when I told her, like, share, like, I've got this beautiful garden that I'm doing. And she goes, oh, should I start making graves for all your plants? And I'm like, no, I'm actually going to keep oh, these funny. ones alive. <laughs> so my neighbors like, share, believe in me. Yes. <laughs> but then when I was gone this weekend for my sister's wedding, I, I gave my neighbors a key and they like tended to my garden and oh. they were so proud. They were like, Casey, it's doing so good. Oh. And then Angus, he'll paint me little rocks and he's an incredible artist. And so like on little rocks. Yeah. Yes, and oh. he's 93 and has oh. like the most detailed paintings. It's oh, Angus. Incredible. I need to show you them. They're, oh, I need photos. Yes. I think we, we all need photos. Yes. All right, put in the comments section if you need photos of these rocks. Yes, and the garden. Incredible. And the smoothies. Yes. All of it. And I have a cute little video of Angus dancing that we might just need to throw in there oh because he's gosh. adorable. <laughs> I love neighbors, by the way. Shout out to like actually getting to know your neighbors. Yes. Tending to a garden, just like feeding the soul in those ways I think is so has been so healing for me I know throughout my life as well so I just again I love that you're so open-minded to exploring so many different hobbies and how incredibly healing and useful they've been in your life yes that's so beautiful well any final takeaway that you would love to share with our audience yes my final takeaway would be that there is strength in your story and by speaking up and using your voice you have the ability to heal not only yourself but others as well because when we speak up we find community we find connection we're able to relate to one another and i Mm -hmm. think in that community you find all the reasons why you still want to be here and still want to be alive thank you for that so beautiful thank you for everything today And what can people do after listening to this episode to help support victims? Yes. So I truly believe we're our own best advocates. So if you know that you need help, you know you're struggling, I think speaking out is one of the best things you could do. Use your voice to advocate for change, to kind of steer the direction and our politicians and what they need to be focusing on, Mm -hmm. focusing on mental health care for everyone. It should be free. We shouldn't have to pay Mm. to get the health care we need in order to survive. So I think one big thing is using your voice, using your vote Mm -hmm. and doing what you can. And you can also reach out to your local politicians Mm -hmm. and your local Congress people and see what resources they have. Mm -hmm. And I did that recently and was told to email a team and they would send me some resources. I haven't done that yet, Mm. but um, that's another step people can take. Also Mm -hmm. doing a Google search. I I know that there's programs that exist that honestly don't do enough Mm. in my own experience and are inadequate. But I think that's something that really is a goal of mine is to change that and Mm. to create a fund for people that are struggling with trauma. I think another thing people can do is finding a hobby that speaks to them, that they can release all of that pent up emotion, energy, rage. And also another thing that I found has helped me in my career is allowing myself to be mad. Because I think Mm. so many people feel like they can't be angry. We Mm -hmm. suppress it. Yeah. And I had this amazing therapist say to me, no, you are a queen and you are going to ignite your queen energy and you are going to use 
that rage as fuel mm. and allow that rage to fuel fuel you into whoever you want to be, whatever mm-hmm. you want to accomplish, whatever you want to overcome. Use that anger and redirect it into getting everything done you want to get done, sticking to your goals yeah. and focusing on your own happiness. Talk about empowerment the literal definition of empowering yourself with that. I love that, I love that. (laughs) One thing that just stands out to me so much about our conversation is that moment when you were lying on the ground of the parking lot, moments after the shooting was taken place, and that you said to me that hearing it from your sister's mouth is what made it real. And I just wanna say that hearing it from your mouth, Casey, today has made it very real for me. And I hope very real for all of us, all of our listeners. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing Thank you so, so much, much of for yourself. Having me. Of course. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. This has been such a powerful conversation. I hope useful, empowering, educating, and helping to raise awareness around these incredibly important issues. Thank you for subscribing, for liking, and for letting us know in the comment section other topics, questions, and guests that you would like us to explore. We're so happy to have you as part of our community. We cherish you. We're so happy that you're here with us. I'm your host, Ariana, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Blissy Experience. (laughs) 